everybody, and welcome to Killer Serials. This is Tony Jones. Hey, this is Ryan Parker. And we are talking about WandaVision, Episode 8, titled Previously On, which, uh, Ryan, if you you know read the online responses from people, everyone's jumping up and down because it, it's funny. I, I guess I would say it like this. I've been loving the character development and like the super cool sets and designs and hearkening back to other eras of sitcoms. And meanwhile, it seems like some of the comic book nerds have been a little bit frustrated <laughs> that it's not revealing more about the origins of these characters, but then it flips on this episode and online people are like jumping up and down, hysterically crying. I mean, really, like if you read the IMDb user reviews people are like i wept through this entire episode and it's all like marvel comic universe type stuff that people's people are, are excited about yeah i had a friend text me about the episode before i watched the episode and i could sense in her text a kind of a an emo like an emotional experience which i shared a little bit of i mean i think um i like this episode for a variety of reasons but yeah uh, well first off you can never make fangirls or fanboys happy. So right, right. we just have to deal with that. I thought this did a almost too good a job of explaining who Wanda is. In a sen- and, and by that, I mean, like, it just kind of gave us everything. Yeah. And, you know, for people who were complaining about not having any reveals so far, you know, it really does rehash. I, I texted, I, well, I don't think I texted you. I think I just wrote this in my notes. This episode could have been called A Christmas Carol. You know, it was kind mm. of like ghosts of tragedies past and how each of them had shaped, you know, Wanda to make her the Scarlet Witch. So now what that means and what Agnes f- believes that means is yet to be seen. I'm, I'm sure we'll get that in the finale. But I, I quite liked it. Yeah, I think, like I said, for, for people who are into the Mar- I got the same thing from Tommy, you know, a, a guest we've had on, we had on a couple episodes ago, who's a real comic book guy and, and follows the story. You know, he texted, he got up first thing Friday morning and watched it and texted me, this is such a great episode. <laughs> you know, that was not my experience of it, but I think for people who are deeply, you know, committed to that universe... I'm sure to see a backstory of a character and how she became who she is and wh- why it was such a tragedy when her brother was killed, you know, and and then when her husband Vision was killed, you know, this is a, obviously a character who's, we've talked about this at, at length, but who's suffered a great deal of grief and trauma and death in her life and gets to the point where she just kind of can't take it anymore and her chaos magic takes over and puts her into this, you know, false world. There are a couple things I want to talk about, and maybe I can tee them up so we don't forget them. The first is Vision's role, or who actually Vision is in this series. How the, what we learn about director Haywood, I believe the sword director Haywood, Mm Mm-hmm. Sitcom. I want to talk about sitcoms, both the aesthetic of this of this series, but also the way sitcoms have functioned in the world, and and part of that being just this idea of what America exports. So I want to come back to Vision real quick. So far along the series, it feels like 
Haywood has been painted as the bad guy and the kind of villain for what he wants to do with Vision. But in this episode, it suggests that he is trying to dismantle Vision because it is an extremely dangerous weapon. Right. But also at the end of the episode, if you watch the post credit sequence, I wonder if the whole thing wasn't just a ruse, like a ploy for him to bring Wanda into the equation because she is what was missing, right? Her mm-hmm. energy, her magic is what ultimately reanimates the real vision that Sword is in possession of. Right. And she has created the vision that's in Westview is just another figment of her magical imagination. So are you saying that when they go, when she has the flashback about, or or it's not really a flashback. I mean, it is very much like you say, like a Christmas Carol type moment where Agatha takes her to previous episodes in her life and she's mm-hmm. in the sword headquarters and she looks down from the director's office window and sees Vision being disassembled. You, you're you saying that was a ruse, like where maybe they actually trying to put him back together or figure him out or something like that? Maybe. I didn't go so far as like, are they putting him together or taking him apart? But just having him, teasing him in front of her, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm making making too much out of it. That scene also did remind me of that scene in Jesus of Montreal. I don't know if you saw that film. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where they Love disassemble yeah. at the actor at the end, or disassemble right there taking organs that just reminded me of that envision is somebody you know not making a jesus comparison but in in the mcu recently the cinematic universe vision sacrifices himself to relinquish the the stone one of the mm-hmm. infinity stones so yeah i i just it it does throw a wrench into our understanding of a little bit about sword but also what wanda's the extent of what she's done right yeah that, yeah. The vision that we've been with all along is not the real vision. And somehow in the post credit sequence, we see that that vision is back and could potentially be up to no good. I don't know. Hmm. Hmm. What did you want to say about the bigger theme of, you know, Wanda and Pietro's family getting bombed and it being a Stark Industries missile that lands in their living room? Yeah, I, I think it's is such a cool thing in this episode to link so specifically American sitcoms and and the export of those around the world and how that shapes people who live abroad, their vision of what America is. And then the Stark Industries bomb that is just right there beside their apartment in the attack. Hmm. And that is a central theme. I think in, in ways that's been a central theme in many of the entries in the MCU this idea of uh, American imperialism, of you know, war abroad at the expense of keeping people safe at home or in order to keep people safe at home. I mean, it is the foundational theme of the Iron Man series, uh, which really kicked this off. I mean, if you remember, I don't know if you saw Iron Man in the theater, but we really hadn't seen anything like it in terms yeah. of the tone, the wit, certainly the, the special effects, everything about it signaled i think what now we all know is this kind of era of for people who enjoy watching these types of films really high quality for the most part storytelling and filmmaking special effects and the whole thing mm-hmm. so that this comes back is is really fitting for the for the universe that this is part of but i found it quite interesting and smart that they included those two things that 
it, it certainly helps explain the aesthetic of the show. Why does Wanda create a universe that is so influenced by American television? Because mm -hmm. she herself was shaped, like so many people, by American television, learning English, shaping your worldview. And those are two of the greatest things that America exports is entertainment and destruction. Yeah, that's interesting. And even there's a, another little connection here between the episode titled Film Before a Live Studio Audience. The, the commercial in that episode is for a Stark Industries toaster. And it has the same That's red right. light and beeping sound as the missile that she sees, you know, land, s sitting there. So anyway, it's maybe, you know, even the advertisements that we've seen in the sitcom episodes, which I guess now six of the eight episodes have been sitcoms and two have been kind of extracted from that style. I liked the Easter eggs throughout this episode, too, when they open when her father opens the suitcase with kind of the all the VHS tapes, and if you saw it quickly, they were all referenced in previous episodes. Mm, yeah. Um, so uh, the Malcolm in the Middle, all the shows. And I thought, I don't know what you made of it, but I was oddly moved or impressed by the sequence of Wanda watching the Dick Van Dyke show. Yeah. And the way in which it, it kind of faded, uh, it re kind of replaced the dialogue of the show with some, you know, some kind of atmospheric music mm -hmm. and how engrossed by that world she was and how beautiful that world was in its own way, even though it's very simplistic when we look back on it now. But with Mary Tyler Moore and just how sweet it felt. So I, sweet. I thought that was an I thought it was a nice touch. I really did. Yeah, so sweet. I mean, her her laughter, it, you know, when when he trips over the ottoman, which is, you know, the most predictable thing. I remember as a kid watching that. And sometimes in the opening sequence, he trips over the ottoman and other times he stops and looks down at it. And, you know, Dick Van Dyke being just this great kind of comic, bodily, physical comic actor. He really sells stuff like that. And, he, you know, he's basically a dancer. And yeah, Mary Tyler Moore was just, you know, everybody's mom whoever the mom everybody wanted to have yeah exactly just like pretty and sweet and funny and a little ditzy and it was you know it, it's interesting because this show wandavision deals with such dark you you talked about it last week about you know fear being kind of the driving emotion of the show and yet it like wanda's escape obviously is to go into this the, the sitcom reality where you always joke about the Petries sleeping in different beds or whatever. And like, oh, back in that day, you couldn't even show a husband and wife in bed together. And then there we see that, that exact thing. You know, we see a clip from the show of the two of them in their separate beds with a bed stand in between, you know? So again, it's back to what we've talked about. It's like, it, it's a, it's a reproduction of an America that never actually existed. Yeah. And, and where, here we are with back to the simulation, simulacrum, the whole thing. I, yep. but I also want to say a word about the sitcom and the role of the sitcom in this series. And I, I don't want to dismiss it. I, Josh, who, edits this podcast for us thank you josh is uh, said something to me yesterday about entertainment the entertainment industry being something 
like 3% of our GDP. Mm-hmm. And that's no small number. No, dude, not that small. That seems like a small percentage, but that's a small, that's not a small number. And so the work that that does in the world, just in terms of, of employing people, but also of entertaining people. And I, I wrote something in my notes of sitcom as, as a tonic. Yeah. And, you know, you see that in the series, the war, a sitcom world that Wanda envelops herself in as a grieving an a, adult. The, the role of the sitcom as a child for her as a form of entertainment and distraction mm-hmm. from the horrors mm-hmm. of the world outside her window. And it's no wonder that office, The Office right now is one of the most popular shows streaming or otherwise during a pandemic. Yeah. There's something that's comforting about that. And I love the way that Pietro and the and Wanda talked about what what did they say? What is a shenanigan or something like it's less scary, but it's like resolved in the end. Right. So you yeah. get to watch this, you know, uh, harmless problem. And then there's resolution. And I'm not saying anything new here about 30 minute or one hour network programming. But it's. I think that is part of what this series is about is is how potentially how these worlds of entertainment work on us and in us. Yeah, you know it's it, it that's funny that you say that because my kids are obsessed with the office and I I'm not really one to watch something over and over again. Maybe I would watch MASH over and over again, but <laughs> my kids have watched I think they've yeah, I think they've watched the the office Three times all the way through, you know, all nine seasons or whatever. You would watch Ted Lasso over and over. I guess I should watch it one more time <laughs> because I miss it. I miss it so much. I miss it. You were right. Yeah. I mean, I really miss Ted Lasso since that. Since S- I watched. Sidebar: it. We we are we are recording this on the morning of the Golden Globes, and it will be I, the reason I am going to watch the Golden Globes tonight to see if the outgoing one of the best comedy series of all time. Shit's Creek uh, will be celebrated with an award, or if they're going to honor the new kid on the block, uh, Ted Lasso, because uh, I could see it cutting either way. We're also watching Shit's Creek, and you know what? I've read some backlash kind of opinion pieces about Shit's Creek, like it's really not that great, it's overrated, it's kind of Johnny One Note. I mean, it's the same jokes all the time. You could, you could, I guess level the same criticism at Ted Lasso in that like how many jokes about tea tasting like, you know, brown dishwater or how many, yeah, how many, how many different (laughs) jokes about how the British have a different word for the trunk of a car. You know, there's a lot of that, but there's, I don't know. I, I, I personally, I like Schitt's Creek. It's a great escape, but I personally think Ted Lasso is superior show to Schitt's Creek. Don't sue me, but uh, let's talk about one more thing before we go, and that's this this quote from Vision, in which he says, "But what is grief if not love persevering?" So, Tony, let's let's play it. Sorry, I'm so tired. It's it's just like this wave washing over me again and again. It knocks me down, and when I try to stand up, it just comes for me again. And I can't. 
It's just going to drown me. No. No, it won't. <laughs> How do you know? Well, because it can't all be sorrow, can it? I've always been alone, so I don't feel the lack. It's all I've ever known. I've never experienced loss because I've never had a loved one to lose. But what is grief, if not love persevering? It's a great scene. It's a great scene, and... I think, you know, Wanda, Wanda's just like Scrooge, you know, she doesn't really know the world that she's created and she needs a, a specter to take her through the different scenes of her life and, and reveal it to her. So do you think in episode nine, she's going to figure out how powerful her grief is in this chaos magic? I wish I knew. If they were going to have a second season of this, I don't know if you've seen anything in the news because it, this is a great way to see. I mean, either she just goes further, you know, she retreats further into her own, the world of her own making or somehow with Vision or Rambo, who we didn't see are the three musketeers this episode. Right. And with their help that she somehow snaps out of it and is able to kind of embrace what if she leans into that thinking, that way of thinking, then there could be some resolution to, to the, the events in this season. Mm -hmm. And if not, then wow, I think the sky's the limit really for how to continue the story of Wanda as she just kind of wallows in this, and her grief, yeah, I guess, yeah, right, yep, yep. I mean, it's going to be there's going to be a big conflict in episode nine, and either you know she it looks like she will do battle with which Agatha, and if you know if she wins the battle, she may do what she's done all along, and that's continue to live in this fabricated world that's the the equivalent of a sitcom where everything resolves after twenty two minutes and. You know, nothing really bad ever happens. We see a little clip of the Brady Bunch in this episode, which is exactly, you know, the Brady Bunch is like the right, the dumbest, funniest, dumbest conflicts of Greg asks two girls to the prom at the same time. And yeah. He has to, you know, and it's not, it's escapism. It's escapism. So, yeah. Yeah. Or, or, you know, somebody, Agatha or Vision or somebody is going to tear back the veil. And reveal, and and Wanda's going to have to confront the power of her own grief, and honestly deal with her trauma, her past trauma. That's right. All right. Well, it all it all leads to uh, episode nine coming up next week. So thanks everybody for listening. We really appreciate your support. Be sure if you listen and like it to subscribe, rate, and review. And we'll see you next week for the big season finale of WandaVision. Take care.